What up, this is your boy DJ EFN. You might know me as a drink champ, but first and foremost, I'm a proud father. I linked up with two of my other dad homies, Manny Digital and KGB, to start the Fatherhoods podcast. Each week, we bring you insider hip-hop stories, parenting, and advice and therapy. The saying is true, it takes a village, and we humorously serve as each other's trusted counsel in figuring out how not to screw up being a good dad. The Fatherhood Podcast. Beats, rhymes, and diapers. This episode of the Fatherhood's Podcast is brought to you by Fly Dad, where fatherhood stays fly. Check us out at flydadgear.com. Yo, what up, Fatherhood's fam? This is Manny Digital introducing this latest episode of the podcast. We kind of went back in time a little bit on this one. Took it all the way back to Christmas 2018 when we had the trilogy himself, Bun B, on the episode. It was phenomenal. Mad Gems was dropped. You're about to hear them all right now. Consider this Christmas in July from yours truly, the Fatherhoods. Enjoy. Does it? We never know when we officially started. Yeah, no, <laughs> so. nobody ever wants to like jump in and say something. So um, we have shit. We've let, 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 let me ask you guys: Should we, um, every so many episodes, as we hopefully gain new listeners, should we, re- you know, let those listeners know our different fatherhood story? Like in short, like you know. You know, whatever. Should that be something we do maybe every few episodes? <clears throat> Can't hurt. Um, yeah. I mean, or is it just in our just... story? Isn't it? Is it just in our little whatever blurb? Uh, we can just, I mean, you know, essentially, this is K. <laughs> I got one kid. <laughs> Manny's got three. He's got one. <laughs> Actually, we probably should do an official intro that does that for us every right. episode. Yeah. Fucking sound like some old people that don't know how to use our technology. It's not too yeah, far right. off. When I call my mom on FaceTime, she's got it on her face. I'm like, that's what FaceTime means, mom. <laughs> oh, man. Yo, we've been doing a lot of podcasting, B. <laughs> I was just thinking, <laughs> we got a lot of episodes under our belt. I mean, we're not nowhere near drink champs, of course, but we've been, yeah. doing, we've been doing some pretty consistent work. So, All right. It's, got- a- it's actually been making me think a lot harder just about my parenting honestly um which is a good thing i think it's almost like i'm ga- i'm gaining more empathy for my child um because you know i'm just realizing even more that you know dan he you know he's just a kid man he's 6 years old and i can hear myself and my it's not like me and my wife are super disciplinarians and but there's just with the with the with the kid or at least a you know a 6 year old you know, there's always that patter of, you know, stop, don't do that. Don't, you know, don't touch this. Blah, blah, blah. And, and then after a while, you, you know, I start wondering like, damn, am I, am I harping on him too damn much? Like he's just a kid, <laughs> you know, and like the other day I was, I was looking at his face. Like we were, we were saying something and yeah, he was still, it was not like he was upset, but it was almost like I was hearing myself saying, you know, don't do this. And you know, I was just kind of looking at his eyes and yeah, he was apologetic and he was saying, oh, but I didn't mean to do it. And then it made me think like, damn, you know, he's, 
these these kids, man, they're just young. They don't know any better. They're trying to, you know, they're trying to do their best. It's their job to push the envelope a bit as well, you know, try to yeah. get away with whatever they can get away with. And it's our jobs to try to guide them in the right direction. But it's also our jobs to be mindful of and you know and have empathy for them. And, and it was just making me think like, man, it's kind of like when you have a when you're a new job or something, you don't know what you're doing and you know, you're yeah. doing some wrong shit and you kind of feel like an asshole when you mess up or whatever. And I don't know. Just the difference is, is a life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You fuck this um, up. You fuck somebody's life up. <laughs> but it's also like how, how, how they're feeling, how they must feel like this is, you know, they're new on the job really being, being a person. Right. right. And I, so I, we got, we got to remember that. I sympathize. Cause, uh, you know, the one episode so far, actually there's been two that have stuck with me, <clears> but, the one that really has challenged me has been the Cypher for Sounds episode. So how Cypher was talking about the whole, how his wife is more strict about like the little things and right. he's more the kind of the opposite. He kind of just like, yo, so what? We'll clean it up if they make a mess or whatever. All right. Yeah. That I'm, and I mentioned that on the episode, I'm more like his wife traditionally. And so I'm trying to get more closer to what Cypher alluded to that he is in my day to day with my kids. Cause I, I do find myself nitpicking a lot. My wife says this all the time. Like, yeah. I'll I'll constantly be like, "Yo, we talked about this already. Stop doing that, right?" But I, I give enough runway, so it's not like I'm a Nazi about it. Like, oh, right. you did it. Oh. But don't, I try to. Don't remind, you get sick of hearing yourself? <laughs> like, oh my, I get sick I of do. hearing myself do that shit. See, I'm not at that <laughs> stage, so I wouldn't know yet. I do. It, it's really annoying, and and if so, what sucks is. I get uber frustrated about it and then I lash out on them instead right, of shutting right. the fuck up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm afraid of. Like you getting frustrated so much about something has nothing to do with them or it does. It's just you like the way you interact with them that you, it, you lash out at the child because really you're just frustrated with yourself more than anything. Yeah. But I, I think based on what you're saying, Kay, obviously there's, there's no wrong or right way. Everybody that, well, anybody that I, kind of respect has told me there's no wrong or right way you know and there's no handbook to parenting but i do think that balance at the end of the day is you know is probably the best place to be you know you gotta have a certain amount of discipline yeah. and you gotta have a certain amount of you know looseness to it like i I've, i feel like in my gemini-ness i i can do that you know, like, I feel like I'm very uber, like, I, I want to organize and clean, but then, like, there's another side of me that clicks it. I'm just like, buck wild, let's play, you know, I act like a fool with my child, jump on the floor, let's get dirty. And then when it's time to probably clean it up or whatever, you want you want to make sure they come away with being able to have fun and then know that when, it's, when that's over, it's time to, like, clean up or fix right. things and organize. Right. Because in the long run, we would think that those are the type of things that are going to make them better adults. You know, I mean, I guess if that's what you want to teach your kids, maybe you want to teach your kids to be something else. <laughs> right. <laughs> or there's plenty of people who don't teach their kids any of that shit. And, and yeah, so I mean, whatever. Maybe people run a wild, I guess. Fucking, yeah, you want to be a wild banshee with your fucking right. no shoes on running around chancletera <laughs> in Walmart. <laughs> no bra. Pata sucia. <laughs> <laughs> That that actually that scares the shit out of me because my youngest daughter, she'll start like gyrating and shit, and I'd be looking at her like, what do you mean? Like, you know, just doing shit that 
is like dancing gyrating. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But just but, like, like can't can't control her body type. Just got to move, right? But it like, looks. Very- but it looks like on some like strip club type shit. Like, the, like <laughs> oh, no. you know what I'm saying? Like the beginning, Did like she... it could be the foundational right. movements. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> twerk. Yeah. And I'm like, right. you breaking up, E. You you breaking up too? That's what I was trying to try. <laughs> you know what happens? My, it's my connection. If, if Manny doesn't hear, it, it's probably my connection. Nah, it's that when all three of us talk at the same time, and she just goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." on ISI. That's true. <laughs> So so it scares me because I know she gets it from like probably watching TV or whatever. And screen time is like a humongous issue for us, right? We we succumb to utilizing screens as the babysitter. Like there's no we make no bones about it. Like that is our our ability to have some sort of refuge to go clean the house or do whatever right. we got to do cuz the little girl needs to be attended to the entire day. So she's picking up all these different things, and I think she's picking up like you know dancing like that from from this shit. And I'm like, we gotta put a stop to this shit because I don't know where this shit's gonna take her. It could uh, it's all yeah. innocent now, but who have, knows where it goes? Have you guys seen uh, the story? Uh, I saw it on CNN that there's a I don't know if it's an organization or a dude, but they're they're trying to tackle um, they're trying to create laws. From the government that will, um, what's the word I'm looking for, man? What's laws like? They're trying to deal with the with social media the same way tobacco, big tobacco, was dealt with. Oh, they're, and trying, they're trying to, to say it's the, it's the same danger. So they're trying to regulate. That's the word I was looking regulate. for. They're trying to get the government to regulate. And you know, in, in the past, you know, all of us who grew up in in, in you know the the internet age or whatever it was always you know we've always felt like the internet is free it's an open society you know it should never be regulated but now man we're starting to see the effects of kids who just grew up in this internet age in social media age and i'm starting to kind of agree like yeah i mean i don't know if the government would do the right job but the way that the dude was talking about how it's like the same way we realized that tobacco was targeting kids, was doing certain things, you know, and then was really bad for them. Right. You know, is what the way we need to look at social media. And I think he's kind of right. That was, uh, that was Mark Benioff from sale, the CEO of Salesforce on CNN, I think, right? Your cousin? He's a long, <laughs> long lost brother. That old that name. Got <laughs> your back pocket. Like, like, you just spoke to him. Nah, nah, I saw, I saw, I, I saw what you were talking about. <laughs> It was next door to me. We that's just had coffee. Uh, that's my cousin Mark Benioff. It's, it's, oh, I just liked his his new picture on Facebook, by the way. <laughs> now, when I when I saw the headline on CNN, I I kind of jumped up a little bit just because, you know. So you more, saw the same thing I saw. Yeah, I think so. Today I saw it, yeah. and uh, I you know my background being somebody who's worked in the ad tech industry, I have a different perspective about how technology feeds into society. And, and I'm usually pretty for it, but some of the points that he made, I, I agree with. Cause I mean, particularly around privacy. Um, he said something about the European union and how they have these very, um, conservative laws around privacy that we fall really short of here in the U S and not to take us too far away from what the core of what we talk about is, he he makes some valid points because we we rely so heavily on technology and every day there's a new technology that's utilized in a different manner that 
has the has the ability to impact our freedoms as we see them in a very profound way. So having oversight is, I think, important. And I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing to have people in government play that role to an extent because they're very traditional in their thinking. So to me, it's like the counterbalance of the technologists who are very you know, opposite in the way they think. So it might lead to some sort of balance, having the two polar opposites kind of try to figure out a way to, to police the thing. And not to veer too much off the topic of, of, of this affecting our children, but I think the idea that people think that that hinders their freedom is a generation that doesn't understand that they are being always corralled by these technologies that they don't even understand that are constantly, you know, getting a, like ahead of themselves, these technologies, where I, sometimes I think like the people who created this technology from yesterday don't understand the technology from tomorrow. And so I think that, that we, whatever, it, it, it's obviously it's a Pandora's box of conversation, but I think it's something that should be regulated and I think will affect all of our children, you know, heavily, you know, if not already. <clears throat> I think we need to uh, bring in some sage advice here. So let's, let's bring in our guest, the OG, Bun B. Hell yeah. What's up, Bun? What up, BFN? What's up, baby? What's going on, man? Man, I can't call it. For those that don't know Bun B, then, then you got a big problem. So Then, then turn this <laughs> shit off and go somewhere exactly. else. So, Bun, Bun right. you, got, you got two kids, is that right? Yeah, we have two kids and four grandkids. And four grandkids. Yo. Yeah. All right, all right. And how old are your kids? Uh, 30 and 31. Oh, wow. Damn, so you, you, got, you got to you got to work early, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Now this is my wife's kids. We we married. Um, my wife already had two kids. Cool. So, I, but I pretty much raised them the entire life. So, wh- when were you introduced to them? Like, at what age was it that you walked into their lives? That's a good question. I am forty five now, so it would have been about twenty two years ago. And, and then, how do you? How's the dynamic? I've always been curious what the dynamic is between raising your kids and then being a part of grandkids like what, what, what's the different dynamic there for you uh it's a lot harder to say no to a grandkid than it is <laughs> like you shut your kids down all day but there's a different dynamic with grandma and grandpa it's a different level of endearment i think in the relationship hmm. because you're not necessarily in you could be a disciplinarian but you're not the primary parent in terms of discipline and stuff like that so you can have a little leeway with some stuff whereas a parent would be like no not at all so a parent could be like i don't want them having candy i don't want them having cold soda i don't want them having sugar and as a parent you're like yeah okay well the kids not we're not going to let the kids do that but as a grandparent your whole thing is to spoil them and kind of give them things that they don't normally get so that can become you know it doesn't become a problem but it becomes a whole thing like, look, I know y'all gonna do this and do that. Please don't let her do this because when it gets back to me, like it's a whole different level of explanation, you know. Because hmm. if mother... give, we give them all the sugar and then drop them off, then they're all hyped up and the parents can't do what they need to do to get through the day. My, mm-hmm. my mother always says, so, so, Bun, this is Manny Digital. I have three children, and um, my mom always says, it's she. Not 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 like shitting on me necessarily, but like she wishes she had her grandkids before she had her kids, because the adoration she feels for her grandchildren is a very different one than she's felt for her children. 
and yeah, I, and I don't take it like "fuck you, kid." I don't like you. It's more like there's just a whole different level of love that she's feeling, and and it sounds like you you see that in your own world as well. Is that correct? Absolutely. I know for my wife, it's you know my wife gets to notice little things that as the grandchildren are growing up in their very early formative years. You know, we're talking maybe between one and five. My wife can see little things in our grandkids that our kids would do, you know? Mm. You can see different mannerisms, like who's a good sport, who's a bad sport, that type of thing, what kind of snacks they're privy to, um, you know, what things they're scared of in this world, that kind of stuff. You can see that in the grandkids. So it's a different... And again, there's a, you know, there isn't that, that urgency that, say, a young parent would have. Because when you're, you're a young parent and you have children, you don't really know a lot of things and you're learning a lot of things. When you're a grandparent, you know it all up and down. So it's a different, like I said, it's not like you're raising your own kids where you're trying to figure out when do they need to be fed, when, you know, when th- those kind of little things that you're trying to figure out as a parent, you know, when they cry, what does it mean? Do I need to go to the doctor every time? That kind of stuff. And grandparents is like, no, no, it's not that serious. It'll be fine. <laughs> but I'm 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 the new this is EFM by the way. This is, I'm the new father of the crew here. I have my my daughter seven months. And oh, congratulations. Thank you, brother. And one of the things that that we're always talking about on this podcast is do you shelter, you know, did you shelter your kids and now your grandkids from the culture, the music, you know, the stuff that you're involved in, your business, like what what levels of if 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 you do, do you shelter them from the music or do you filter it? Yeah, you definitely. Uh, it's hard to to shelter them completely from music, so you try to filter as much as possible, and you try to monitor the input. You know what it is that they're listening to, where they influences, and that kind of thing. But then, once kids get off to school and mix with other kids, it's, it's a little harder to handle that kind of stuff. But, you know, you definitely want to, you know, you... Shelter, I think, is the wrong word, I think, because, you know, there's only so much of the outside world you can right. keep them away from. Well, so filter maybe is a better word. I think filter is a, is a better word for yeah. it because it's, it's not like you're not letting them listen to music. You're just being careful about what music they listen to. And it's not like you're not letting them watch television you're just being careful what television they watch so it's really about filtering the content um from the kids but i mean there's nothing wrong with that you know if as a parent you have the right to to decide what it is you want your children to be into you know but what about your own like your own content the stuff that you were creating like for example i'm starting to think of of my daughter growing up watching drink champs and saying well, Dad, you was an alcoholic, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, yeah, no, I mean it's because you know you you know you you know how you were, you know what you could handle when you were young, what you couldn't handle, and you just have to you know give your kids an opportunity, you know what I'm saying, a chance to not be uh, scarred for life, so to speak. You know, a lot of my right. content is. It is very hardcore. My granddaughter hasn't heard a lot of the music I, I make. You know, she may have heard a couple of songs on radio, and you know, she can only come. She'll only come to like a you know radio show or festival where you know we're not really doing like all the dirty versions of everything. Right, right. 
But yeah, you don't want to expose them to anything too fast. You know, just because it's you, you, you know, it's really easy to be like, well, you don't say that stuff. But they see you say it and they see you use those kind of words. And it's just like drinking and smoking and all that kind of stuff. Right. You have to be careful. Hey, Bon, how how aware were your kids when, when they were growing up of who you were and kind of your status as a as an artist? I mean, did did, did they kind of look up to you in, in a sense that they knew you were Bun B or were they kind of disconnected from that? No, I mean, they knew who I was, but my kids were always more excited about other people's music than necessarily my music. Got it. That's kind of way how it usually goes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like you, you got all, like Michael Jordan's kids wasn't really feeling Michael Jordan type of thing. Like, <laughs> and what, oh, what was You, you want to be careful, you know, about, like I said, about exposing them and stuff. And then they don't, you know, they, they like, I make songs with Jay Z, but my kids don't look at me like Jay Z. You know what I'm saying? All right. Right. What the was. Kids have their own fans, right? They're really kids in relationship with their parents and a kid's relationship with who they look up to as a musician and who they're into. It's a, it's a, it's a big difference, you know? I'm at home, I'm sitting around on the sofa in my underwear kind of thing watching TV. They see more of that than they see big stages and performances and stuff like that. And like I said, these kids usually, they want to they wanna see the other people as opposed to me. They're not really tripping on me. Right. What um what was your take on discipline with uh, you know and your wife raising your kids? We've been kind of talking about different things with different folks and just for us we're just learning different ways and trying to share that with other people. Who? What was your take on on disciplining kids? Well, my wife is the is the disciplinarian because, like I said, as a step parent, you don't want to you know get in the way of that kind of stuff. We have different ways of of looking at situations and how we feel we should discipline situations. But when it comes to actual, like, physical reprimand, my wife was always the one with that, you know, because if my kids needed, you know, harsh words and that kind of thing, I could definitely do that type of stuff. But as far as, like, you know, putting your hands on the kids, well, the belt for some, you know, for some yeah. chance or whatever it is you choose to do, whatever kind of corporal punishment you want to do, uh, like I said, I let my wife do that do all of that stuff i didn't get in the way of that because my wife had already had her way of discipline and keeping her kids oh, okay. in line before i got there so i didn't necessarily see the need or feel the need to get involved with that we were talking but, about- but kid, kids need their ass whoop <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I have friends that don't believe that like Colin Kwali is a really good friend of mine mm-hmm. but Colin Kwali doesn't whoop his children and so, and he actually looks at it as abuse when you do whoop your children. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like I said, it, it it depends a lot on the way you were raised, and yeah, what, you, what you know oh. about. <laughs> well, yeah, and then you know who you are. You know how you are. You know what discipline would necessary to keep you in line. And so, you know, some people are not opposed to issuing that same kind of discipline to their children to keep them in line. Right. Bun, are you are you still a, a lecturer at Rice University? I am. Officially, uh, I didn't I didn't teach this year. Okay, and and how's how's uh, that? Because we were dropping a new album. Oh, okay. How, how's so you're returning to trio in stores now? Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> no, no. Wait, wait. That. You, you got to say that one more time because I was interrupting you. Please say it one more time. Oh yeah, returning to trio, new album out right now, all formats, all platforms. 
Yes, yes, yes. So, so that dynamic, um, you obviously being a, a maybe not a paternal figure to a lot of those students, but you know, a, an authority figure to an extent, um, just based on your legacy. How is that dynamic when you're speaking to those kids? Like, what's the content that you're distributing to them? And I'm assuming there's a, a variety of things in in that capacity. Yeah, I mean, we talk about you know different forms of religion that are practiced in the world, you know, primarily in America, but then also throughout the world. Um, and how that instills discipline in people makes them a better person makes them want to do the right thing in life, contribute to society. For some people, religion doesn't do that, though. Um, based off their connection with religion, how they were raised within the religion, how they looked at the religion as an adult as opposed to how they were told to look at it as a child. And so people started looking and pulling from different places in their life to make them become a better person, answer the, you know, bigger questions of life. Who are we? Why are we here? What is our purpose? That kind of thing. And so for some people, you know, hip hop makes them want to be a better person. Hip hop as a culture wants them to, makes them want to be more contributive to society and, um, you know, make their best effort as a human being while they have this time on this planet. And so we talk about that. So when we talk about, my, well, my class is, you know, I guess I'm getting ahead of myself. My class is about religion and hip hop, but it's not a music so, course. It's more of a religious studies course. Right. So it's not in the music department. So music isn't the primary lesson that we're teaching. The primary lesson is about defining religion, how it fits for some people, how it doesn't. Defining music in America from the Negro spirituals up until, you know, today with hip hop and all the different genres of music that we have and how these things, our forms of expression, how people tend to let the world know where they stand, how they feel, who they who they want to commune with, who they want to be around, and what kind of world they want to live in. And for you know, like I said, for some people, hip hop as a culture does a better job of informing them of these things than religion does as a practice. Do you think hip hop has the attributes of religion to a degree? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, but like in my class, we define religion as the the search for complex subjectivity. So again, religion is based on what it is that helps you define, you know, yourself as a person. Uh, like I said, the, the questions of life that you're trying to answer, right. you're finding out your purpose, your place in this world. And uh, for some people, like I said, some people could be raised in a very religious home, but not connect with the religion, not connect with the practices based on, how the religion was was used, right? If you're raised in a house with Christianity, but Christianity is being used to, like, say, in a, in, in a white supremacist world, Christianity is right. being used to prove that white people are better than every other people in the world, right? Mm -hmm. So for some people, they might not want to live in a world like that. So they may um, have an aversion to Christianity just based on who define themselves as a Christian in their lives. Yeah, it's right? perverted. So, right, exactly. So, you know, same thing with, you know, a Muslim extremist or something like that. Or Catholicism with what's going on with the priest and the Absolutely. Absolutely. So a lot of people don't have the positive connection with religion or religious practices as everyone else has. So for those reasons, they start to look in this world and find other things that they could be a part of that gives them ritual practices and, and, and whatnot to make them want to be a good person or make them even feel good about themselves or feel good about being a part of this human story that we tell on this planet. 
I think that's as deep as we got in fatherhood so far. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, because some people are raised Christian and you know are raised you know Catholic and you know feel like well I think Judaism speaks better than me or I think you know you know being a Protestant or being a Methodist or you know one of these different sects of Christianity makes them feel better about the connection they're trying to have with the higher power and the or they're turned off completely and become atheists. Yeah, I mean, you could become an atheist or an agnostic. I mean, the person that I teach the class with, um, Dr. Anthony Penn at Rice University, who's, you know, one of the highest-ranking um, professors on campus and who teaches a class out of the religious religious studies building doesn't necessarily believe in a God. So it's it's been very interesting to teach a course on religion with someone who understands the practices, have a deep, has a deep knowledge of where they started, what their intended purposes are, what they are now, and just feels like that's not what I need to do or to follow or practice to make myself a better person or make myself, you know, a good person in this world. You know, you you being in the hip-hop game for so long, you've seen a, a number of rapper generations, you know, come and go. What is your, how have you perceived fatherhood to be across the, the span of, you know, your hip hop career so far? Because one of the things that kind of put this podcast into action was the fact that particularly people in hip hop culture, they get a black eye when it comes to being stand up fathers or being present as fathers. And or they we, used to, if anything. Right. Starting to change. Yeah. And uh, we're seeing a change now, kind of just in the industry, but, you know, in and around the industry generally. What's your take on it so far? Uh, Well, I think that's a big misconception. I think there are a lot of guys inside hip hop, the culture, who have always been great parents. They've just, um, it's just never been a part of their career that they necessarily shared. You know, guys like Ryan. DMC, LL Cool J, and some of the earliest members of hip hop culture. That's true. Are um, you know, are great fathers, are great parents, and love their kids, and spend a lot of time. But uh, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. From <laughs> no, you're all good. I mean, I I think no, I think there's always been great fathers. It just seems, that, and this this is actually even entertainment wise across the board. People were always either hiding their family life or. Not putting, you know, on front street that they're in a relationship or have kids. And well, in hip-hop, yeah, it just seemed more prevalent. Well, I mean, yeah, because it's, it's, it's an entertainment period. Right? Yeah. It's not just in hip-hop. It's an entertainment period. And people are trying to protect their families from psychophants and people who right. take music and, and stuff a little bit too seriously. People want to, you know, give their children as much of... Uh, normal life or as much normalcy in their day-to-day life as possible and the music industry doesn't always allow that right um, I know a lot of artists who are great parents but don't feel like that's anything they need to express in their music at their job because I mean if you're you know if you go to work every day in the office you don't have to you're not required to be a good you know right, right. talk about your children children let me say you're not required to talk about your children at work, right? A lot of times it's frowned upon. So, and you know, when we create these these groups and we have these movements in the culture, it's not necessarily what people want to hear when you're young and you're making music. Now, you know, at my stage in my career, I'm an older person. I've done different things. I've lived a different life. So, 
You know, I'm not, and I'm not trying to get people to buy into who I am as an artist. I've already done that. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's about sharing other things about life, right? Because my fan base gets older, I get older. We're all dealing with the same things. And so, you know, I try to talk about transitioning, you know, from one place to another in life. Right, the maturing. That's the um, kind of stuff that, yeah, and I think it's important for artists to do that and speak on that. But it, it's only when you get there, right? Because when these artists are younger, you know, when, when you're young, you think, look, I just need to be working, 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 grinding and getting the money for these kids. Then you get older and the kids tell you, I didn't care about the money and stuff. I just, I just wanted you to be there. So you got to find a balance between being a good provider, giving your family the opportunity that you can give them in life, but then also making sure that they're learning from you directly, not just always from your actions or your words. They need to be able to look at you and see, see these things happening in your life. The growth, the maturity. Hmm. I guess also there wasn't, I mean, there wasn't a lot of social media back then um, where people could display, put their families on front street and that kind of thing, which is, we were actually having a conversation about this before we jumped on bun about, about kind of limiting. What was the, what was the gist of it? Eager Manny in terms of well, limiting. There's, there's a story. What's the guy's name, Manny, that's talking about this. Mark Benioff, the CEO and founder of Salesforce. That he's, he's, he's looking at uh social media, um, the same way, or he wants to tackle it the same way that big tobacco was tackled. And he sees it to be the same negative effects, um, on kids, right on kids. Yes. And, and the generation growing in social and he wants to bring in regulations. So that we were discussing that. It's a little different, right? Um, like I said, uh, were you talking about regulating use of social media or no, just regulating the, the big companies, the social media companies, but we were just talking in general, like, what do we think the effects of a, of a whole generation of children and, and our children, per se? So, you know, what what is the effects of social media on that? Well, I don't think we, I don't think we, I don't think we'll even really know for a while. Yeah, I, I think I think that ship is sailed for Bun because I mean, you have older children now. I think we're starting to see those effects are going to be more prevalent in, you know, the younger generation that's coming up now. I was saying, like, with social media, like, one of the aspects of social media is that, like, uh, you know, you look at bullying, right? That right. We have a lot of with kids right now. And bullying, you know, was bad enough when kids had to deal with it, you know, during the hours of school. So, like, from 8 in the morning to, like, 3 in the afternoon, kids used to dread, like, being at school. Mm. Well, now the bullying leaves school, and so it's twenty-four hours. Yeah. So you're bullied at school. You're bullied before school online. You're bullied after school online. So those kind of things, uh, yeah, that's definitely taking the toll. You see a lot more kids dealing with suicide because of social media bullying and whatnot. Um, I think the um, the introduction to sexuality sexual practices and all these kind of things have been, you know, obviously just, um, just wanting to feel like you need to be sexy or something like that is a, you know, it's a major part of identity, especially for young girls on social media, right. you know, the idea of what they need to look like, what their body should be shaped like, you know, how they should be making up their face. These are all things that girls are dealing with on a very, very <clears throat> major scale. And, 
you know, young people are always impressionable. Um, and I think that, you know, if you look at, you know, the Instagram models and different celebrities who, you know, present themselves in a certain way, your, your face needs to look like this and your lips need to look like this and your breasts need to be full and your butt needs to be big and round and all these kind of things that could throw a young girl off if she doesn't have it or push her into a life that she's not ready for if she does have some of this stuff. I think it's scary. Mm. Definitely. So, Bun, t- today marks a, a pretty significant day, I know, in, in UGK history, um, the death of Pimp C. So, uh, how how involved, you know, not to gloss over that, I mean, that's significant. And I know you, you do a lot of work along with his family to keep his legacy alive. What is the, the role or your relationship with, with his children that he left behind? Well, I have a, a decent relationship. I try not to get involved in too many lives because pimps, pimps, all pimps' children's mother are different women. Oh, okay. And so different people get along in different ways. Um, they're all older now. They all don't live in the same city. Um, so that becomes a situation. But it's really just about, you know, letting them know who their dad really was and what their dad would expect of them, right? My pimp's oldest son is, you know, he's a man now. He's a full-grown man. He's in his 20s. And he was old enough to be around his dad for a considerable number of years before his dad passed. But younger kids don't have that kind of time with him, on, and they have a different set of memories with their father. So, you know, you know they, they all came into his life at different times in his life. He was going through different things in his life. So, like, his, his second son... Um, was around when he went to jail, but was very young. And so didn't really get to spend those early formative years with his father. His daughter was very young when he went to jail. You know, she was just born. But, you know, so a lot of the years that he was gone, you know, are smaller, younger years that she doesn't really remember like that. You know, she, you know, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's not as much of an impression on her, on her brain about her father being gone because um, in her earlier years, that was pretty much all she knew. Yeah. Whereas the right. older children had a, had a different perspective of when he was locked up based on their age and their perception and their awareness of how the world worked at the time. And so, you know, for us, we just want to make sure that we're honoring the member right, memory right. And like now his middle son wants to be a rapper. And so I just try to tell him to be careful about the content that he decides to use because it's a much different time. And he doesn't need to be presenting himself a certain way just because of who his father is. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. Because that's man. just too much. It's just too much to live up to. Yeah. And you know, and it never was exactly what he wanted from his kids. Like the music industry and entertainment and all that. He wanted his daughter wanted to be in acting, and so he was he was you know supportive of that because he was around, and so he was very supportive of his daughter wanting to be an actor. Like I said, because he could kind of monitor that and. You know, it's not like she was going to be acting in R-rated movies or anything. So the content and the interaction with people was a lot more different. Mm-hmm. Um, now his, his middle son wants to rap, but this was never something that he was doing while his father was around. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it was, it was off-putting for a while, you know, even though it wasn't, you know, the pro- problem wasn't content. The problem was the distraction of thinking that he needed to 
move a certain way and be a certain place and them wanting to. His grandmother was very supportive of it, which I wasn't as certain supportive of it. So, it's, you know, it's to be a kid that was under, you know, 10, 12 years old in nightclubs, right. you know? And so I was, which is, you know, it's something that I was, I was not supportive of at the time, but again, I, I'm not the primary caregiver in any way. So it's not for me to decide what people choose to do with the child that they're raising. But, you know, I was concerned about, you know, getting a false perspective of what the music industry is about and, uh, and having that as a career and whatnot. And, but it's something that he still wants to do. And I, you know, he's coming of age. So I try to be supportive of it as a career move and, you know, to show I'm supporting him. But at the same time, you start talking about guns and stuff like that. That's not going to work because you're going to put yourself in a position that you don't need to be put in. And people, there's going to be an assumption of how people need to move or react to what these things that you say based on who you're connected to, who your father may have been. Man. So just, you know, a primary job is to love them and support them, but then also be very honest with them, communicate with them and make sure that they at least know or have some kind of understanding of how maybe their father would have felt about this initially. Are your kids involved in music at all, or did they ever, or did they have aspirations at all for music? Yeah, my my daughter's a DJ. My son um, was a recording artist have- for several years, and and that was my thing. Like with him, he wanted to be in the music industry. They both wanted to be in the music industry because they thought it would be easy. Because I was in the music industry, and they thought being connected to me, people would just let them do what they wanted to do, and that songs would automatically get played, and it money would automatically be made and that was you know that was the furthest thing from the truth you know right. the reality is is that you know like when I told my son he wanted to be a rapper I'm like well, you, you know you're going to get compared to me constantly when you make music which is not going to be a fair comparison because you don't make the kind of music that I make younger people make different music it's more dance oriented um, party kind of music we, we made different music we made more you know street music and and so and my thing was, you know, <clears throat> I can give you, you know, I can give you information and help guide you in a certain way. But at some point, you're going to have to do this on your own. Like, can't just give you verses and features because you're never going to learn anything about the hustle. He's going to be trying to get by off of being connected to me. So at some point, you're going to have to go out here and learn how to be your own man when you go to work. Because if you take any other job in the world, I can't walk you through that. I can't go to work with you, you've got to figure that out. Mm-hmm. You know, you're making kids, you're going to be responsible for those kids. And so you need to, you know, be prepared to, you know, go out and get a good job against the music stuff doesn't work. Unfortunately, he wasn't lazy and he, you know, he, he did it as long as he felt he could do it and he realized that it wasn't necessarily for him and he chose another path. And, you know, you do the best you can with your kids. You're never going to get things right. The kids aren't going to get everything right. And, just like I said, you just try to be there and be supportive, supportive as you can, and you know, without allowing them to make you know massive missteps in their life. Man, so uh, kids are always going to assume their parents aren't going to support them through it, but you know, you have to have good reasoning. You can't just say, "Well, no, that's it." No, you have to be able to, you know, thoughtfully explain this kind of stuff because kids are going to find reasons, going to try to find some kind of reason to rebel at some point anyway. So you just got to have very real and honest conversations with you like. I don't know if this is necessarily for you. I'll be here, support you as much as I can. But again, if I don't think this is for you, once you got in the world and try to do it, you've got to kind of do it on your own. You've got a family, 
you got, you know, something to fall back on if it doesn't work out. But you're not going to just give me easy. I'm just going to go. I'm not going to go everywhere. Just be like, hey, my son's a rapper. You guys look out for him. Because then you're going to expect me to do that all the time. And then right. you don't, when things don't happen in the way that they were used to happening, you're going to be confused about this. Like, why aren't people supporting me? And then you'll start to resent my involvement at some point if I pull back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then it's your fault. I used to do some teaching, so as, as as many kids as I've spoken to about music and you know have a plan B, they never want to hear that. <laughs> they right, never right. Want, they never want to hear. And the they think B. they know what's best for themselves at that point. Yeah, but you know, I guess we were all like that at some point. Yeah, we were. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I still. Have. I mean, yeah, my my mother didn't want me. To, my mother didn't want me to make music. My mother was like, "If this is what you want to do with your life, you can totally do it." But I can't support you because this isn't what I think you need to be doing. I don't think you're ready for this and so my mother kind of backed all the way out of it my mother expected me to try it for a year but I would fall on my face and then I would um, come back home crying to mom but I haven't been home since wow so Return of the Trail came out what September came out um, August the last week of August August okay and uh, that's you said available everywhere Where, where can people find you on the socials if you want to be found and kind of drop a line and tell you what they think about the album. Oh, yeah. They can find me at uh, Bun B Trilogy on Twitter. They can find me at Bun B on Instagram and at Bun B of UGK on Facebook. We're out there. We're interacting with people. You know, giving them a place and a space to where they can come and show love. Not everybody shows love, but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> Social media. <laughs> Right, but we do want to we do want to make ourselves accessible and available to people. Absolutely, I've never been a person to keep myself separated from the people. And any any uh, last words of advice for especially the young 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 kids out there raising kids? Any any anything to follow you could pass on to them? Yeah, just just remember yourself. You know what I'm saying when you're looking at your kids. Remember your vulnerability. Remember your innocence. You know what I'm saying. Remember, you know, your nervousness, your adamancy about things, your hesitance about things. The kids are going to have some of those traits and then some of them they won't have, you know, because it takes two people to make a child. So they're going to have some of what the father has. They're going to have some of what the mother has. So you have to remember who you were and how you were at certain points in your life. And, you know, be smart about what you tell your kids. You know, you can't tell your you know, kids too much about the mistakes you made, I believe, because they'll just use that as excuses and throw that in your face. You know what I'm saying? So you can't always tell your kids everything you did wrong as a child because they'll literally decide to do that wrong and put it in your face as a reason for you to not be able to criticize them. Mm-hmm. Right? So you just have to be smart about what you share with your children at certain stages in their life. You can't, you know, and, you have to be, you know, careful about what you do in front of your children. You know what I'm saying? If you're smoking weed, the kids see you smoking weed, and then you decide to tell the kids, hey, you know, don't smoke weed, you know, then you sound like a hypocrite, mm. which, you know, that that may be. You're still a parent, though. So you just have yeah. to be careful about your behavior, you know what I'm saying, in relation to the child and what you let children see. And, you know, if, if you know, once you decide that your children – you're going to allow your children to be on social media, then whatever your interests are on social media have to be dialed back because right. you have to make sure you're in a position to monitor your children. 
But if you got this crazy life on Instagram where you got to post stuff and do stuff, you're not going to spend that much time monitoring what the kids do. The worst, the even worse than that is, you know, we live in an age now where a lot more parents are more computer literate, but there's still a lot of parents out there who aren't nearly as knowledgeable about the internet as their kids are. And that makes it hard to monitor. You know, if the kids have to remind you what your email password is, and, you know, all that kind of stuff, then you're going to have a hard time monitoring what the children do. So it's, it, you really shouldn't allow your children to use formats and stuff that you aren't privy to and that you aren't well-versed in because you won't know how to, you know, you won't know where the DMs are. You won't know how to find stuff. And, you know, you just it's just a certain level of knowledge that you need to have about that kind of stuff before you allow your kids to have that stuff. I see a lot of parents letting their kids have social media. They don't understand their pages. Some of them are blocked and don't know it. Some of them, these kids have separate pages. They don't really know how to monitor the activity. And, you know, and then by the time they find out what their kids are really doing online, sometimes it's too late, you know? Mm-hmm. They don't even know how to turn be, on a computer. Know, <laughs> yeah, and just, be, and just be honest with yourself. I keep telling parents, you have to be honest with yourself. You know, so the only way you can be honest with your kids, you have to be honest with yourself about what your, your pluses are, what your minuses are, and just be aware, you know, just be available, you know, communicate, 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 talk to your kids, talk to your kids, talk to your kids, so they don't even want to listen anymore, they keep talking, because, you know, to the point where they'll never be able to say you didn't try to tell them. Wise words from the legend yeah. Bumby. Yes, sir. Thanks, man, man. Thank you, guys. Man. No, thank you for coming on our little podcast. podcast. Say what, uh, what? This is an important. This is an important podcast. No, no, it is. We, that's that's. It's important to us, you know. So we hope it makes an that's impact. Why I wanted to, that's why I wanted to to be a part of it because I don't like you guys are saying. I don't think people really get a true sense of parents now. You know what I'm saying? As far as the hip hop culture is concerned, what we care about, what we don't care about. They think a lot of our kids are. You know, we're cursing and smoking and do a bunch of drugs in front of our kids. I don't think a lot of them know that, you know, many of us, you know, our children are in private schools. You know what I'm saying? That's right. part of yeah. the reason we work so hard. We're trying to give our kids a better education, a better shot at education than we have. I think, you know, they think all our kids probably talk like we talk on records. So most families, that isn't true. Most of these children are very intelligent, very proper, very well-mannered, very respectful. And, um, you know, so it's very easy to, to look at someone at work, you know, on, on television or on stage or something like that and assume what their private life is. But for most people, you would never know what their private life is. And I think that's a good thing. I don't think we owe people that. You know, right. We don't owe people our wives. We don't owe people our children. We don't owe people any of that stuff, our parents, none of that. Our all personal life. Yeah. yeah, all we owe people as entertainers are ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's it. Right. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, thank y'all for having me, man. No, for real. Thank y'all for having me, for real. Y'all, much continues to say. Hope you'll come back, too. I'll be back. I'm you know, my, sir, my son's going to have another grandkid soon, I'm sure. He just All got right. engaged. So he's going <laughs> to have another kid soon. So I'll come back and pop on and talk about grandkid number five. All right. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> All right, Bum. Appreciate you, man. Peace. Thank y'all, man. Thank you, man. You too, man. Have a good night.